You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Here as usual, it's Drew with Josh and Connor talking all things Major League Soccer, U.S. Soccer, NWSL, and just the fun world of soccer that we are currently in. Uh, we have a really awesome episode talking all things Decision Day, U.S. Men's National Team, NWSL Expansion Draft, Supporter Shield. Um, so we have a really awesome episode lined up. But before we get into a super fun end of the regular season episode, wanted to check in on the guys. So Josh, how's your day going? How's your week? It's been a while since we've recorded. It's been about... 10 days, and a lot has happened in those 10 days. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. A lot has happened. We had our election here stateside, and that was um, that was something. But uh, over the weekend, my best friend got married, and uh, I was in the wedding. So that was a, a really good time. Um, and uh, I, obviously, Alex Trebek passed away over the weekend. So I've been spending a lot of time watching Jeopardy, which is streaming on Netflix right now. So I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of reading, job hunting, U.S. men's national team play today, so that was cool, and then obviously lots of uh, lots of soccer over the weekend. So it's been busy and wild since we last recorded a podcast, but uh, I would say it's been pretty good. Connor, how have you been? Incredibly busy is probably the best way of putting it. Uh, the reason we're recording late is because of me. Uh, Monday night, uh, my Wi-Fi at home was dreadful, to say the least. And we had heard rumors that it might have been them installing fiber optic cable, which would have been amazing. But it turns out it was just a broken thing on the pole outside our house. So we're not getting fiber optic, which is unfortunate. But hopefully the Wi-Fi should be fixed. Uh, for all I know... They're coming at night, either last night or tonight, and I might lose Wi-Fi at some point, so hopefully that doesn't happen. I think they were supposed to do it last night, but who knows? That doesn't doesn't matter for you. Other than that, ton of school. I had three assignments to do this week. Uh, put a show on on Tuesday. Had a, my radio show that I do on Spirit Live, which you can check out live from 3 to 4. Um, and I do it on Wednesdays with him. Uh, buddy of mine from my program, so you can check that out if you want to. But I'll stop self-promoing, and I've been a busy human being. And next week's a little relaxed, but then the week after that, less so. Um, but yeah, motoring through. We got. I think I have three more weeks left in the semester. I'm not sure how many you have left, Drew, but we're working our way to Christmas, which feels weird to say. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's been pretty busy here. I think I have two weeks left of a semester, something like that. I'm not sure. But yeah, um, a lot of soccer, catching some football here and there. Uh, Freddie Freeman just won the National League MVP today, so that's good news for me and Josh's end of the world. Um, but yeah, super busy. School's picking up, getting ready to end the semester. Watched a lot of Decision Day, got to watch the men's national team which we'll dive into here in a second. Caught a little bit of the expansion draft in the NWSL. It was on Twitch, so I got to live stream a little bit of that. Um, but yes, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Very busy, very crazy time to be alive between the elections, sports, and just life in general. 
Um, but yeah, let's dive into the episode. We're going to start with super quick thoughts because like we said earlier today, the U.S. men's national team came back for the first time in a, I think it was like 285 days, something crazy like that. Uh, they played Wales, drew nil-nil in their first game back in so long, uh, but a lot of excitement around the game just because the men's national team was back. A lot of European players, um, it was all European players because of COVID protocols. Um, but yeah, nil nil result, and I guess my thoughts on the game, I obviously stinks not to win, uh, especially when Wales did not have Gareth Bale in the 18, he was up there watching the Masters, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I'm going to say, that's my story, I'm sticking with I it. I guarantee you he was, <laughs> yeah. he had a laptop in front of him, he was watching the Masters, yeah. no doubt. Not too, in the same state as me and Josh, I think Augusta's kind of a trek, but, so that's cool, um, but yeah, I thought... There were some glimpses of good moments from the men's national team. I thought I thought Weston McKinney was the player of the game. Uh, him, Tyler Adams, super good. Tyler Adams, MLS export, playing for the Red Bulls. And McKinney coming from FC Dallas' academy. So two MLS products doing good on the international stage. Um, but yeah, I thought, I think it's that age-old age problem with the men's national team, right? It's wanting a striker, wanting a number nine. Um, obviously, Josh Sargent was not playing due to COVID, quarantine, and I thought the midfield was good. I thought the defense was good. They had their moments where I thought Wales broke through a little bit. But it felt like every time the men's national team got in the final third, they just didn't have anything there. Um, I thought the midfield was stood out to me the most, specifically Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. Serginio Dest I thought played really well. Um, but my biggest problem from that game was the final third and not finishing in there. Josh, I don't know how much you caught of the game or what your thoughts on it were, but what did you think about the men's national team's first game in forever. Yeah, luckily I was able to catch it's like the up until about the 70th minute, and I had to leave to go to work to teach for a little bit. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm basically in the same boat as you. It was fun watching the defense and midfield. Obviously, once they got to the final third, nothing was happening. But hey, it was fun watching them get to the final third. I think they had like at least from what I was watching, they only had like maybe three shots and none of them were any good chances. But, you know, it's to me it's fine. Obviously, you know, we don't have a ton of striker options available today. We didn't get to see uh, Giacchini and Tim Weah only got on the field for a couple minutes and even then I'm not even sure if he was playing striker at that point. So it does suck a little bit to not have Sargent available. I think if we had a player like Jossie Zardes or Josie Altidore, they probably would have thrived. I mean, it would have been nice to have like a regular, regular strike up there. Listen, I, I saw your look, Connor. I would love, I would have loved to have Jossie's artists on the field. I'm not going to lie. I've, my, my perspective of I him has shifted a lot. I wasn't making the eyes at Jossie Zardes. Let's put it uh, that way. All Josie. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, once, once the team, or even like Daryl DK, I mean, once the team gets an actual striker up there who like, it's his position that he's most comfortable in. I think that's going to help things come together a lot. But also at the end of the day, like most of these players were teenagers or, you know, young adults in their young 20s. The oldest player on the field was Sebastian Legett, and he was only 28. And then John Brooks was only 27. So the fact that John it's a young Brooks team, is only 27. Yeah, no, he's he's really not that I old. I thought he was like, he's like 35. What? No, man, he's like just now <laughs> reaching his prime, which is oh insane. So he was like exactly. 20, exactly. 20, 21 and 2014. 
Is my math terrible? Yeah, he was like 20 in that World Cup. Yeah. Yes. When he scored against Ghana. Swear, like, holy cow. I'm, I'm going to double check. He didn't I'm going to double check right now. I swear I'm he played in sure. Ghana. Or not Ghana. Yeah, he was only born in, in 93. South Africa. I don't know about South he, Africa. I was not. Did no. not. No, no, no. He was with the U20s in 2010, according to Wikipedia. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, so he he's only 27 years old. Wow. He, he does turn 28 in January, if that makes a difference. But, yeah, exactly. For a defender, because you think about a defender, you know, that the prime for defenders usually – early 30s mid 30s they tend to have theirs kind of towards <clears throat> towards the back end if you will so yeah exactly there's just all these young players out on the field and when you've got the oldest players being Lechette and brooks and stefan who i think is what 25 yep and he was the captain today so i had no problem with it it was fun for me to see creativity especially among Reyna and Dest. McKinney and Adams had great games. They were, they were just bossing the field. So overall, I mean, this has just been a fun roster. And to see players like Yunus Musa, he he was great in the time that he was on the field. I think he ended up going the whole – no, no, he got pulled towards the end. But he, he looked great on the field. Hopefully the U.S. can keep him around. Hopefully he wants to stay around, I guess I should say. And But it was also cool to see players like Johnny Cardoso get his first cap with the team who plays in Brazil goes just by Johnny, which is that's that's some swag right there. I want that jersey. I know. <laughs> Johnny sixteen on the back. So yeah, I think the best part of today's game is just the the potential going forward. It's nice to get all these players together. Obviously really only missing Polisic. So I think that's good. Also I've I went ahead and, and started telling myself today to just not expect to see Polisic in the World Cup. Not in the 2022 World Cup, not in the 2026 World Cup. I'm just going to go ahead and start expecting it now so that I'm not hurt once we finally get there. That's that Atlanta sports pessimism so that if somehow we actually <laughs> does show up in the World Cup, it's just icing on top of the cake. Exactly, exactly. Like low expectations so that they get surpassed easily. And it's just when it comes to sports, it's the best way to live, in my opinion. Can I just add... I love the fact that you didn't include Io Akinola on that list of potential young American strikers because I was thinking about him. You have accepted at this point that he is going to be a Canadian international, and we'll we'll see. I, hey man, Greg Greg Berhalter and his staff have got some good gets so far with Serginho Dest, and to even get Eunice Musa in a camp, I think is a big deal. So there are a few. They got Sebastian Soto into this camp too, and he was just getting offers from Chile to join them. So. I, I I would say it's 50-50 right now, from my point of view. I'd agree. I think the rumors are he'll take whoever is the first to actually call him up. That's who we'll go with, but I don't know if he said that or confirmed that. And if that is true, I'm shocked he hasn't been called up by either side yet. Well, he's got to stay healthy, and I don't know if he can do that while he's in Toronto. You know, I would disagree, but honestly, that's just a fact at this point. And he's learning from the best when it comes to injuries. Um, so, yeah. I This is sort of off topic, and we didn't have this on the sheets, uh, but I'll give my thoughts on the U.S. national team game, because I did watch that parts of it, and I thought Weston McKinney looked amazing. But I wanted to know, what are your thoughts on the expansion stuff being released today? NWSL expansion draft? MLS. They released some information for the Austin expansion draft. I saw you sent that in Slack. Yes, I did see that. It's. I wonder if a certain designated player, striker, 
might be left available by a certain team that one of us supports. Are you talking about Atlanta United? No. Really? You think Atlanta are going to expose Josie Alton? I was like... Not Josie Alton. Joseph (laughs) Martinez. Yeah, that's why I was confused for a second. They they would not leave Josie Altidore unprotected. You think they would? Ooh, that's that's a spicy thought right there. He's getting paid a lot of money. He's not exactly the healthiest human being on the planet, is probably putting it lightly. And he's definitely taken a step back in terms of his production. I could see that would, it. That would be interesting. I, I guess now that you mention it, it might be a possibility. More, more definitely a bigger than zero chance that that happens. Oh, yeah. And I don't even know if Louisville would take him. Or not Louisville. That was... Te- <laughs> so Austin. much expansion going yeah, on. Yeah, expansion there's so yeah. <laughs> much expansion right now. Between that, Seattle, and the NHL, and oh, I'm, I'm very tired. <laughs> but, yeah, I wonder if... Altador gets exposed for that. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see who everyone protects. Obviously, Atlanta aren't going to have much of an issue because there's nobody to protect on that team. No offense. But with certain teams like LAFC, what are they going to do? It's an interesting situation. It might be an episode we have to do when they have the actual expansion draft, which is, is it this summer? About a month away. Is it this? Yeah. December. December. Um, so... Look out for that, I guess. But, yeah, back to the Wales game. Weston McKinney, he is good. Like, he is really good. Uh, I can't really highlight that enough. He's His play today was just, on the ball, perfect. Um, obviously, the U.S. struggles up top, but when you don't have your starting striker in Zardes or have Pulisic, it's going to happen. And they didn't even, I don't think they even started a striker today. So no, you're going to struggle to finish when you don't start a striker. But yeah, I think this is just a good sign for the U S men's national team, because these are a lot of your good young players. And it's not even including some of your best players. Like you look at players in MLS and you're missing all of them. So to have that crop just in Europe alone and ignore the fact that you don't have Brendan Aronson, who's, I'd say, likely going to be a pretty big member of the national team in the future, to not have um, Wong, Opara, like, it's it's impressive that they were able to do that against Wales. Granted, they didn't have Gareth Bale because he was watching the Masters and probably the John Ram shot highlight on repeat for infinite hours uh, because that was unbelievable. But yeah, it's just, it was a good game. I think that's the best way you can put it. It was a good game by the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Wales played a C team today. Wasn't even like, wasn't even a B team, which is, which is fine. I'll, I'll take the clean sheet if anything. And like you said, we didn't even have a striker. So not scoring doesn't really bother me too much. Did Aaron Ramsey even play? No. Daniel James is the only player I recognized. Well, and um, I can't remember his name. He plays for Schalke, but he got subbed off for James. He's a winger. He's pretty fast. Number 11. Okay. Yeah. Santondo, I think. Something like that. Pronounced similar to that. But, yeah. I don't know. We should probably mention the other national team, international news. Scotland's going to the Euros, which, as a Scottish part Scot, I'm psyched. 
Uh, I'm very happy about that. Macedonia are going as well. Uh, I don't know if there's any MLS connections. I thought I saw... Who was it? Oh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Katai. I think he might... We, we don't have to... He's fine. We can... Yeah, we can probably forget about him being an MLS player. Yeah. No, I don't want any connection between him and MLS. Good point. Well, let's move on because I just ruined any sort of segment and any sort of semblance of positivity and talk about the NWSL draft and whatever the hell Louisville just did. Who wants to go first of you two? Because I don't know anything about women's soccer when it comes to this kind of stuff because I'm very new to it. Yeah, it's it's weird situation. I think so. We will, yeah, racing Louisville coming into the league next year had their expansion draft, um, which we touched on maybe last episode or a couple episodes ago. And I think when you look at the list, the biggest names that stick out to you that Louisville acquired from other teams um, is Tobin Heath and Kristen Press. But there's a lot of questions around that because both of them are currently in Manchester playing with Manchester United. And I saw a tweet that they were probably asleep when this draft happened. So they're going to wake up in the morning and just like freak out like, oh, man, maybe I'm going to Louisville. Maybe I'm not. But there's it's a weird situation because they're they're You're getting their rights. And. With Angel City FC coming in next year, there's a possibility that these two players will go to Angel City. So a, a lot of speculation about whether or not Tobin Heath and Christian Press will actually play for Louisville. Um, or maybe they'll be traded off somewhere else and Louisville will get that money and maybe a number one pick in the college draft. Um, which Just more first-round picks in the college draft. I think they already get the number one overall pick in the college draft because expansion. Um, but there's a lot of confusion around those players. Those were the last two players I think they picked in the draft. Um, and again, there's a lot of confusion about whether or not they're actually going to play for Louisville or not. What are the rules about Heath and Press coming back to the NWSL? Like, would the LA team have to reacquire like acquire the rights to both of them? Could this be a move by Louisville to try to just get assets from an incoming team and potentially just get more picks? Yeah, they would have to first get the rights because right now Tobin Heath's rights went from Portland to Louisville and Kristen Press has went from Utah to Louisville. So at some point, if, again, this is a big if, if Angel City does want these two players, which why would you not want them, right? They would somehow have to acquire those rights from Louisville, whether it be trade, money, or something like that. Um, but I do want to say probably, in my opinion, one of the bigger gets of the draft uh, is Jennifer Cujo. She plays for Sky Blue FC. And what's cool about her, she originally played in Asheville City in North Carolina, really close to where me and Josh are from. And she tore it up with Sky Blue in the fall series. So they have some pretty good big name picks. Um, they also had Caitlin Ford, who is an Australian international who is at Arsenal right now. And again, the same situation as in Heath and Press. You're not really sure if she's ever going to play with Louisville. Um, so there's a lot of questions about the expansion draft because you pick good players that are currently in Europe and not a whole lot of people know what that's what that means or if that is going to happen. Um, but still, again, Louisville is shaping up and it looks like we're getting to know their roster more and more um, by the day as they get ready to go for 2021. So how many players are in Europe right now slash 
not available to racing Louisville? Because I saw a lot of people joking about the fact that they are just going full on tank and that they won't have enough people to field a team next season. Out of, okay, let's see, out of the players that they acquired in the draft, 14 players, um, Alana Kennedy, whose rights are with the Orlando Pride, she is at Tottenham right now with Alex Morgan. Uh, Kaylin Ford, whose rights are also with the Pride, is in Arsenal right now. And Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, both at Man United. So I think out of the 14 players, four of them are currently in Europe, out of the players Louisville selected in the draft. And how many picks do they have in the college draft? In total, I'm not really sure, actually, how many picks they have in total. I assume they get the number one overall pick because expansion. Yeah, and they, we should also mention they claimed Chayna Matthews from Washington Spirit off waivers. So they technically can field a full 11, but I'm pretty sure they took two goalies as well. I think so, yes, because... They took Michelle Betos, which really cool story. She went to the University of Georgia, and she's the only Georgia player in the NBSL, so shout out Michelle Betos going to Louisville. Um, and yes, I think they got that keeper from Washington. So they did take two goalkeepers. They also, they already have McCaskill and Nagasato. From the Chicago, Chicago trade, yes. So they definitely, depending on how many picks they have, they definitely need to make a couple more moves. I think so, and they'll probably, I don't think they're done. I don't think the journey is done for Louisville at all. I think, especially given, if if Press and Heath have no intention of playing for Louisville, I think Racing's going to go out um, and try to get some national team players because every team beside Houston has a U.S. women's national team player, and even Houston has a ton of Canadian players like we've talked about, and they have an English star in Rachel Daly. So I think Louisville is far from over from getting their team together. All right. Final little joke segment here. Where do Louisville finish at the end of next season? With the current roster today saying they fill out the rest of their roster with college draft picks. Are we saying that they get Heath and Press? No, because they're not available next season, right? Or they're not available until at least May. I believe that's when their contract ends. I think so. So if they come in, let's say they come in like in June after yeah. their contracts, and if they come in Louisville, where are they going to finish? I'll say 8th out of 10. That is not a good first season if you're Louisville, considering some of the talent you had available to you who could play today. And another interesting note, they didn't take Megan Rapino. I, I wouldn't have picked her. I wouldn't have either. And I'm going to assume Drew is in the same boat as us. Same because boat, yeah. We all agreed with that. Uh, although the economic factor is still there with Rapino, just less so. Uh, do you have either of you have anything you want to add to the NWSL expansion draft and NWSL period? Excited about it. That'll be my first game going to Louisville. So I think I'm a racing Louisville fan now, but we'll see what happens. Until Atlanta gets a team, of course. Yeah. True. Oh, yeah. Hopefully Toronto gets, or not Toronto, Canada gets a team before Atlanta, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully they do. I don't know. I think NWSL needs to expand to Canada so that we can just have the Canadian women's national team against everybody else. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's start talking MLS. And I think what we'll do this week is we'll go through every single game on decision day. 
Does that sound good? Let's do it. Ready for it. All right. Remember that we are an audio podcast and people can't see us when we just nod our heads, which I need to keep in mind as well. <laughs> oh, I was I was waiting for the audience. That was a little gap for whoever's listening to go, I'm ready. We need <sighs> to start inserting like those really cheesy like audience like clapping things. <laughs> I can do that. Sound effects. Oh god. I think that would bring us to the top of the charts. <laughs> I think that would get us even less viewers than we currently have. <laughs> but we could try it, maybe. I don't know. It depends on if I have time, because this podcast takes a while to edit. And on the note of that, if you have anything you want us to try, if you have anything you want me to do differently, if you have any ideas for the show in general, if you have any feedback, please let us know. We'd like to know. I think we do our little feedback sessions very late in the podcast, so people don't really... They may not stick around for the entire thing, uh, but we want to hear your feedback. We want to get better. We want to continue improving and hopefully become one of the biggest podcasts in MLS period. But we're working towards that. Following my random sidebar that everybody probably clicked off of, let's talk some MLS and actual MLS. Starting off with, would you call this the most important match of the decision day? I think so, yes. yeah. Easily. You wouldn't have Montreal DC ahead of it? No. I don't think so. All right. <laughs> we'll we'll talk we'll talk about it as we get into this yeah, game. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but of course we're referencing the Philadelphia Union versus the New England Revolution uh match where Philadelphia won two to nail to claim the supporter shield from the cold dead hands of whatever came out against the New York Red Bulls for Toronto FC. Um, it was impressive match. Philly had a nobody keeper playing because obviously Blake is still injured. Um, but this was, it had a lot of implications. The revolution fell to eighth in the playoffs uh, and they'll have to host Montreal, which will not be an easy match. But I want to get your thoughts on the game before we talk about what happened after the game, because in my opinion, that's even more funny than what happened basically the entire weekend. Um, but what were your thoughts on the Philadelphia Union New England Revolution game? How do you think each team performed? Just go. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, good job to congratulations. Like I should, I should should say to Philadelphia for getting their first ever trophy. It's been a long time coming. It's been pretty well documented that they've had a lot of opportunities. This was the fifth or sixth time they've played a game with a trophy on the line, and that includes last weekend's game as well, which they obviously lost to Columbus. So for them to win, I think is huge. That's personally why I think it's a bigger game than DC Montreal, because you know. Like, yeah, Montreal and DC are fighting to get into the playoffs, but they're fighting to get into the playoffs in what is the easiest year to make the playoffs. Whereas Philadelphia, a team that has been in the league for a decade now, they've been so close before. They finally sealed the deal. The fashion in which they sealed the deal by building up these homegrown players, they've built this really efficient, smart template for how to run a club in MLS. And it's just impressive that They've done all this while also giving their coach, Jim Curtin, the, the time to actually do this. 
if it were almost any other club, I think he would have been fired by now, especially when you look at all those possibilities for trophies in which they couldn't capitalize. So I think it's really cool that Philadelphia finally finally got their trophy. Not much to say, I think, on New England's end. Uh, they, they've seen like such a... They're, they're like a silently consistent team. They don't really lose often, but they don't really win a lot. They're just kind of there. And, you know, I guess props to Bruce Arena for giving them some semblance of, of consistency. But Philadelphia, I mean, they just controlled the game and, and they rightfully, rightfully dominated. So congrats to them. Yeah, um, again, I'm kind of the same boat as Josh. Not a whole lot to say. I was impressed that kind of going back to their match against Columbus, which obviously, obviously they lost, but I thought... I thought Philadelphia played really well against that match against Columbus. I think the only reason they didn't win the Supporters Shield last week was because of Columbus's goalkeeper making some saves that were out of his mind. And I think that speaks a lot to Jim Curtin, like Josh was talking about, how he's just he's been able to save Philadelphia, which credit Philadelphia for giving their manager time. And now he's built this juggernaut that is the best team in the league. And I thought I think from a mindset perspective, I thought they played really well last week. It was very much this attitude of we want to get it done now. We want to get it done with a week left in the season. Now I think some unlucky breaks for them against Columbus prevented that from happening, but they got it done against New England. I thought 2 nothing win was more than deserved. Um, yeah, credit to them. They are a team that um, yeah, is the best team in the league. I think as we have no issue in saying that over the course of the year, they showed that they were the best team um, in a really good East where the, East, yeah, the top three in the East were all really good with Philadelphia, Columbus, Orlando, and they kind of pulled away willing, deservingly so. So credit to them. I'm excited to see what kind of run they can make in the playoffs, which we'll talk more about playoffs probably next week. But excited to see what they can do. I think Jim Curtin has developed a mental juggernaut in this team through the craziness that is 2020, and it showed in this game, and I think it's going to show pretty well in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it was a definitely an impressive season from Philadelphia. I don't think you can take anything away from them. And anybody who wants to put an asterisk on this season, just get out of here. There's the only way you're putting an asterisk on this, in my opinion, is if you're putting it on to acknowledge how difficult this season was, because this was not easy for anybody, period. And they've definitely earned it is the best way of putting this. So congratulations to them even if it did mean that Toronto FC didn't win it. Congratulations. Like they are genuinely a very good team and the way they've built their squad and some of the talent that they have, like they're selling Brendan Aronson this winter and they're probably still going to be pretty competitive next season. So yeah, just ultimately a very impressive performance in this game and just in the general season for Philadelphia. And it's something that Philly fans should be very proud of when they look at their team and they look at this season and what they were able to accomplish. But let's, let's, let's talk about the reward. Yeah, Let's talk about their reward. If we can even call it that you, what do you have to say this? Cause otherwise I'm just going to keep laughing. <laughs> I love it. I, so, so for those who don't know, the supporter shield is literally passed around between the teams, and this is done by the supporters groups with these teams. So there's no like, 
there's no like league organization that handles this. It's it's done by the supporters. They're the ones who created the shield uh, back in '98. Well, they shipped it to Philadelphia, assuming that Philadelphia was going to get the shield. And because this is the United States, and because our postal service has been destroyed, they could not get the shield there on time. It was a day late. So they had to do something in the meantime to still celebrate with something, even though they didn't actually have the shield. So luckily, through through lots of connections, it was like four or five different connections, they were able to uh, get a Captain America shield from a gentleman who has a legit Captain America costume <laughs> for conventions and whatnot. And so uh, they heat-wrapped the shield or what the supporter shield would look like onto the Captain America shield. And so that's what they lifted up. And I'll be honest, when I saw the first pictures, I was like, that looks a little weird. I thought but it I was photoshopped. Really... It did look, did look odd. Someone called it anime. I thought that was funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was so random, like so random. I didn't see, I didn't understand. I was so confused when I first saw what the shield looked like. And then I saw the athletic story. And it made a little bit more sense, but at the same time, no sense. Because why on earth were they not able to get the shield there on time? They had a literal week to do it. Why didn't they ship it ahead? Why wasn't it already with Philadelphia? I mean, we are talking about the same foundation and council or whatever that was trying not to award it in the first place for some dumb reasons, so... The fact that they couldn't get it shipped on time, I mean, I'm not, I'm personally not too surprised by that. I can't say I disagree. Drew, do you have any sort of thoughts on the most MLS thing to ever happen in MLS? No, except I'm with Josh. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I saw the tweet. I think it was two pictures of the, sh- one picture of the shield, one picture of the Captain America shield. And I thought it was just like some dumb joke. And then it was like a real article that this whole debacle had happened. But it's the most MLS, it's it's the supporter's shield, so it's fitting that, I guess, I don't know if the person who gave the Captain America shield is a big Philadelphia Union fan, but I bet he is now, given that he's kind of, he's a major part in this club's history, right? Like, the first oh, yeah. trophy this club has won is this guy's Captain America shield. That's phenomenal. That's the most 2020 MLS Philadelphia yeah. Union thing in the world. I, now that I think about it, I wish Atlanta had a story like that. I wish our MLS cup was like some cup that this guy in Marietta just found in his basement and was like, we have to give this to him. We do have some fun Atlanta-styled stories for the MLS when cup. When they so we broke it, taking it to a very I'm talking Magic City. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Hold up. I, did, I don't know the story. You broke MLS you, cup? Well. Dented might be a better the word. players. Dented. <laughs> Is this like a Rob Gronkowski with the Super Bowl Vince Lombardi trophy? Or is this a little dent that they could fix pretty easily? I have not seen. I I did get to touch MLS Cup once in the home opener against Cincinnati in 2019. They like brought it down the supporter section and I like grabbed a hold of it until the security guard promptly told me to move my hand off of it. But the story is nice. I know it was Magic City is a gentleman's club in downtown. Is that the place Lou Williams visited? Yes, when he got the chicken wings. Yeah. (laughs) The best chicken wings in Atlanta, apparently. (laughs) 
it's very yeah it's very famous for all the best reasons yeah. and i think that is where Clearly. the mls cup got it's broke dented something like that so we kind of have a cool story i don't it's, it's a very atlanta story so i'll take it i think it's pretty cool well after that aside why don't we talk about columbus and atlanta and a performance that was probably just as good as the one the night they won mls cup at Josh, your face is just legendary. What are you, what are you talking about? What am I talking bro? about? Absolutely terrible. Atlanta. You're talking about okay. Yeah, yeah. This is just oh, falling no. flat on its face. <laughs> um, well, you're just gonna skip Toronto like that? We're gonna talk about Toronto in a second. There was a natural segue. Right. You ruined it. That was a good segue, oh, man. Magic Josh. City. It's all over the place. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, set, I set this outline up to, to go and order the standings. Thank you very much. All right, fine. We can do Toronto Red Bull. I was trying to avoid this. I was trying to have you two pissed first, and then I could be pissed. But Speaking of MLS Cup winners, Toronto. <laughs> or how about Red Bulls embarrassingly losing against Atlanta for Atlanta to win their MLS Cup? Chris Armas blew it. <laughs> now he's fired. This is just gone <laughs> so off the rails at this point. It's amazing. Um, I can keep going. <laughs> yeah, so that Toronto game, that first half was not ideal. Let's put it that way. Red Bull played well. Just got to say it. They played well. Uh, Toronto <laughs> did not in that first half. Second half was a little bit better, but the first half was not as good. Do you either of you have any thoughts on it, or do you just want me to talk about how crap Toronto were in that game? I uh, I honestly didn't really see any of this game. I, I just remember seeing that Red Bulls like took the lead uh, and and scored those those two quick goals or whatever in that first half. I do want to point out. I think it's interesting that Red Bulls still finished sixth in the playoffs. It's pretty good for them. You know they they've torn up that team a lot, uh, especially in like the last years, but especially in the last two years since they won the Sporters Shield. So good for them to get to sixth. And I think it's also. Uh, pretty, I wouldn't say pretty impressive, but it's kind of impressive that they've done so without a permanent head coach because their new guy, Struber, I don't even think he's done anything with the team yet. He's probably just been there for games, maybe present for training sessions. So good job to Red Bulls for, for coming through, I guess, unless Toronto gave this game away. Yeah. Drew, do you have any thoughts or do you just want me to go? Not necessarily on the game, but I think Toronto fans and as a club should be very worried heading into the playoffs. And that is all I'm going to say about Toronto FC, Mm. which we will get more into about playoff predictions next week. But I think Toronto should be very worried. Next week, we are going to have a special episode, which you should keep your eye out for. We will have, hopefully, fingers crossed, at least a couple guests, if not more. Um, but let's talk about this game and why I'm not actually as worried as Drew thinks that we should be. Because, first of all, the defending was atrocious. There's no way of getting around that. It was just, oh my God, Omar Gonzalez. Like, what has happened to that man this season? He was so good last year. Like, he came in, he was solid in the back, and he was just... He was what Toronto needed, and this season, he's just not, and it's almost like he's been a bit of a burden at times with 
his play and he can't fully pass a ball properly when it looks like an easy pass and he misses it but <sighs> Toronto's biggest issue right now and biggest fear should be the defending because that has been very poor up until now and we knew that was going to be poor going into this match coming into this season they need another central defender and right now Laurent Simon, Eric Zavaleta and Omar Gonzalez just aren't good enough for, for that uh, losing Richard Larea midway through the match also hurt uh, but hopefully he won't be out for very long. I haven't seen much from an injury standpoint or announcement standpoint. Uh, it's uh, from the fact that he played a couple minutes after he got hurt. I'm optimistic that he'll be able to play, but we'll see. My biggest reason for not being worried is they're missing Pablo Piatti. They're missing Murky Delgado, and they're missing Justin Morrow. As much as Justin Morrow may not be amazing, he's still a very big presence on the pitch and in the locker room. So not having him, I think, was pretty tough. Uh, Delgado, as much as he can only play with one foot, he is crucial to this team. He is... The, he's the midfielder along with Osorio who go end-to-end and link up Pozuelo and Bradley, which Toronto need desperately. And I think Ralph Preso has done a fairly decent job so far, but Delgado is still a step above the 18-year-old, brand-new, homegrown signing. Uh, and Piatti, it's self-explanatory. He takes some of the pressure off of Pozuelo. He's able to create the opportunities that Puzzle was able to create. Just he isn't able to pass the ball as well, but he's willing to shoot. So losing that presence hurt, but they did get Osorio back, and I thought he was okay. He wasn't spectacular. He wasn't terrible. He was just sort of there, and for the first game back after an injury, that's really all you can ask for. Uh, Josie, on the other hand, <sighs> Josie worries me. If I'm being completely honest, I've been on the train in terms of skeptical of Josie and whether or not he still has, has, how do I want to put this? Still has some gas in the tank, whether or not he's running on fumes now, or if he is still running on gasoline. And if we're looking at this season, I think he's running on fumes. And Toronto, following signing him to that pretty big contract, should be getting a little worried. And that's sort of what I hinted to earlier in the podcast when I said, I wonder if he's available for Austin in the expansion draft. I highly doubt it, but I I wonder if he is. Uh, But that's an issue for later. Right now, They've just got to move on to the next match. They've got to keep their heads up just and just beat whoever they have to face. Just beat them. Like, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter when, just beat them. And that'll be Toronto's biggest key to success to hopefully go back to MLS Cup 
so that we can have a Toronto-Seattle back-to-back for the second time in half a decade. But I don't know if you, I don't know, Drew, if you want to build off of that at all in terms of my opinions on Toronto because you're less positive about us than I am. But it's not that I am very pessimistic about Toronto. It is that I am more optimistic about a team that I think they will play in the playoffs if it goes the way I'm thinking it's going to go. So I think someone is in the very bright run of form just as Toronto is in a very wrong run of form. It's MLS. Upsets are going to happen. So it's I think Toronto, it's in, obviously right losing your last game of the season is never good. But when I think about Toronto not making it back to MLS Cup, I'm focusing more on someone making an upset than I am Toronto being bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And Do you want to preview who that team is, or should we wait a game before we talk about them? We, I'll, we'll wait a game. We'll wait a game. Because if I say it now, they'll lose their play-in game like 15 to nothing, and I'll look like an idiot. So I'll wait till next week to look like an idiot. Okay, I was more getting at the fact that we talk about a game and then talk about this team, if you get what I'm saying. I do not get what you're saying. Josh, I think, gets what you're saying, though. Yeah, I got it. You got it? I, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. All right. We, we will talk about that team soon. All right. Well, before we talk about that team, we have to talk about a different game where they're going to rant and cry about the fact that Atlanta suck, which makes sense because they have no DPs and their best player is out with an ACL injury. Um, but you know, they're still going to panic and freak out because of course they are. They're irrational sports fans. It's what we do. How do you two want to approach this? Do you want me to? Okay, Josh, take it away. <laughs> I was going to say, it's funny that you say there are no DPs because two of them played on Sunday. Two of them? Which the, the oh, fact right. that... Oh, right, they signed that guy, didn't they? Yeah, they have Marcelino Moreno, right. who, so far, so good, I'd say he's a good signing. I, I don't really have much to say like about the game itself. Like Atlanta did what they did all season. They just looked like they could falter at any moment. They looked like they could fall off the ledge at any second. And then it happened, and then they did. And then once they conceded their goal, no one expected them to win. And they were right because they didn't. Columbus was the better team. I mean, it just kind of went, you know, Drew probably agrees with me. It kind of went the way we were expecting. The, I think the biggest takeaway for Atlanta from the game is Franco Escobar. And Drew just added this as we started recording. But, uh, but so, so Franco got a red at the very end of the game. It was a, it was a second yellow. But after he got the second yellow and was ejected from the game, he went over and started yelling in someone's face on the Columbus bench. Might have been an assistant coach. I didn't really get a good look at it. And uh, it was just kind of it was frustrating to watch because as a fan, like you realize that he is feeling the same frustrations as the fans, and that's kind of what caused him to, to lose it. If not more so, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So... In that moment, we were all Franco Escobar. But the the thing that's popped up now in about the last week is the question of whether or not the team is going to keep him after this season because his contract is running out. And honestly, for me personally, if you had asked me this question, let's say three months ago, I would have wanted him gone 
because I didn't like the way he was playing when the team came back. I didn't I didn't like I didn't think he was playing well and I just I just wasn't a fan of his for that for that time period. However, it's clear that he has taken on a bit of a leadership role and the fact that he is showing so much passion and frustration for this team is really important and Felipe Cardenas who covers the team for the Athletic did a great um, great article featuring Franco about a week and a half ago and in it Escobar says you should be emotionally spent at the end of these games because you have to give everything you have to this club so just I just love that mentality from him so I really hope they keep him it just sucked to watch the way it went down and then as for Columbus they're the team that's going to get Red Bulls. I think that's going to be a fun game. It seems like Crew and Red Bulls meet in the playoffs every single year, and it's always really good. So I'll be interested because these are two different teams now between Porter's Crew and the way Red Bulls have sort of become this season. So I think that'll be really interesting. And uh, the game, at least for me, sort of went the way I expected. Drew, what were your thoughts on the Atlanta game, and what do you think about Franco? Do you think this is the last time he plays for Atlanta? I... About the game, not a whole lot, whole lot to add. I thought, yeah, I wasn't expecting Atlanta to win. I don't think a lot of people were expecting Atlanta to win, so it kind of went according to plan. I do agree with your take on Marcelino Moreno. I think he's going to turn out to be good. He's showing some signs right now, so I'm excited about that signing. But as far as Franco goes, I, I don't want him. I don't want this to be the last time. And I guess, really, the next chance we get to see him play will be Champions League. So... Then after that, I guess, is the real question, Was that will that be the last time he plays for Atlanta if he even plays in that Champions League game? I Again, I don't... The fan inside of me doesn't want to see Franco Escobar leave because, like you mentioned, he he has this emotional tie with the club. He Playoff Franco, right? He always came through in big playoff moments on the way to winning MLS Cup in 2018, scored that, the goal that kind of sealed the deal against Portland. Now... Whether or not he will stay, I think, is a different question. The club, I think, has heard the displeasure of fans and some of these key players leaving, whether it be Julian Gressel, Jonathan Nagby, or Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. And I think I think he'll say, I don't think this is the last time we'll see him in Atlanta. My question is, does Franco want to come back? Because I know racing, I think, is the name of the club in Argentina that was in talks with him um, about possibly going back to Argentina and he's at a club right now in Atlanta that things are not looking good so my bigger question is will Franco want to stay Um, but I think I don't think this is the last time we'll see him in Atlanta I think he's too tied to this club and I think the club realizes how valuable he is to them and I think they'll keep him around if he chooses to stay. Do you guys think that he might be enticed to join another expansion team? I mean, who knows? At this point, like, you know, a year ago, about a year ago, when the club got rid of LGP, I would not have expected him to come back to MLS for a while. And then, bam, he was back in, you know, he was in Miami six months later, like not even. So I would I would say no, but who the heck knows at this rate? And I guess to piggyback off that, do you think that he could potentially be an Austin FC pick? Um, Again, I, I don't know. I mean, it's so weird thinking about who gets protected, who doesn't get protected. I haven't seen the full rule. How many players get protected? Have they announced? I believe it's 12. 
12 players get Atlanta, protected. Atlanta is protected because Cincinnati took Brandon Vasquez in last year's draft. So automatically, uh, Austin cannot take an Atlanta player. So no, Connor, I do not think you will become an Austin FC player. Hey, hey, Miami ended up with LGP. So if it it won't be, be expansion draft, maybe just he can still get there traded there, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. think so, but who the heck knows? Stranger things have happened. I highly doubt he get highly doubts. I highly doubt he gets traded because he is an upcoming free agent. Uh, so why spend assets when you can just get him for free? But weirder things have happened, so you never know. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, it's, this entire Atlanta team is going through a very big change for sure. And I believe, am I correct in saying that a report came out today saying one of the issues in Atlanta was the fact that they couldn't communicate? It was a language barrier. Yeah. A language barrier. Don't don't even get me started on that crap. Let's get started on that crap. No, no, no. We do not have time. There's so many other games. We, we have, to have time. We'll say we'll save we, it for another. We oh, recorded God. late, so our viewers, viewers, our listeners want long podcast. We need to make up make it up to them. All I think that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. As the stupidest soccer related quote I've ever seen in my life. Who said it again? Brooks Lennon. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I like I like Brooks Lennon. I don't have a problem with him. I just think the quote was really stupid. This is soccer. This is like the most global sport possible. Like, no, duh, there's going to be a language barrier. The fact that it was even mentioned. To be fair, the, the people tweeting about the quote sort of didn't provide the proper context. When you see the full Brooks Lennon quote, it's not that bad. But at the end of the day, like, I just wish he hadn't even mentioned that phrase, language barrier. Like, that's just so... So stupid. I mean, look, I, I will say as someone who has only played soccer for two years, I've spent 50% of that time playing with a majority of people who don't speak English. They don't primarily speak English. And you know what? I learned the terms that they say on the field. And I know it's not the same because they get way more in depth in training. But like at the end of the day, like all it takes is a little effort on both sides to get your point across. Could you know? that not be... A reference to the players, but maybe the manager. Does Frank DeBoer well, speak English? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. He spoke Spanish and English. Spanish from his time in Barcelona, and then English just because. I okay, guess, but in just general. because somebody plays in a certain location doesn't mean they learn the language. No, no, no. He he did press conferences in Spanish and English. People would ask him questions. In fact, he spoke Spanish better than English, so that can't be an excuse. Okay. That's. Yeah, it's a bad yeah, quote. That's a bad I, quote. <laughs> don't like it. Don't like it. Okay, final question on this. Is it bad on Brooks Lennon? Or is it bad on the fact that Atlanta had this come out? Is it bad on Brooks Lennon or is it bad on Atlanta? I think. Oh, man, that's a toughie. I think. I, think, I guess it's Atlanta. Right, that it's worse on again. I have no problem with Brooks Lennon. This just, I think I have the same kind of attitude toward it that Josh did. Like, I saw the quote, I was like, whatever, just stop. Like, there's so many greater problems. Like, that's the last thing I need to be thinking about with this team. So, I guess it's worse on Atlanta because 
if I'm remembering the context of the quote correctly, it was a lot about management and shifting from like a 5-3-2 to a 4-3-3 or something like that and how there were problems with language barriers and with that. So I guess it's more of an Atlanta. Again, when I saw it, it was very much just like, get that out of here. This is that again, it shouldn't even be a thing. Like, I don't know exactly Brooks Lennon's playing path, but like these players have probably played with people who don't speak English before. Like Josh said, you play pickup anywhere and you're going to, you learn what certain words mean and like you can figure it out. So these guys have been playing soccer professionally and with very advanced club levels for years and years. So language, maybe if you're a youth team, maybe you can pull that excuse, but you're an MLS, you're at this, one of the bigger MLS clubs with success is expected. So that, that just can't happen. It was just very much like get, stop, get that out of here. All right. Let's move on to the team that Drew was probably referring to when he said Toronto might run into a tough team in Orlando and Nashville. Orlando lost to Nashville 3-2. to two. Uh, Nashville will now host Miami in a play-in game, which that'll be a difficult match, in my opinion, because I'm high on Miami. Uh, and Orlando will host New York City FC. Should there be a worry for Orlando and should there be worry for Nashville? So to, to provide some context, I put the worry for Orlando just because they gave up a super late goal. They had the draw and then Nashville got the win at the very end. And you, at least for me, I wonder what that'll do for their momentum especially against a team like NYCFC, who I think has now won three straight. So that's, to me, that's an interesting matchup in the playoffs, which we'll get into a lot more next week. But personally for me, I do think momentum might play a factor in Orlando, giving up such a late goal. On the flip side, major props to, to Nashville. We talked a lot about them last week, definitely raved about them last week, but good for them to get that last second goal. They head into the playoffs hosting a playoff game, which is a big deal and fresh off with a win. I think they will have no problem with Miami, uh, which I I probably shouldn't be so strong, in my opinion, because these are two expansion teams in the playoffs. It's also MLS. And literally anything. Yeah, exactly. Literally anything could happen. But at least for now, my gut feeling is that Nashville will have no problem with Miami. Drew, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think that, again... Um, I'm more so focusing on Nashville than I am Orlando. I do think that NYCFC is a pretty bad draw for Orlando coming in with NYCFC playing as good as they are. I think in these one-off games, I think recent form and confidence is a big deal. So I think I don't think Orlando is going to be NYCFC, and I am very high on Nashville because the whole saying is defense wins championships. And I don't think they're going to win MLS Cup, but I think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. So that's their thing, right? Nashville wins goals, wins games late, and they did it again against one of the best teams in the East. So I don't think they'll have any problem with Miami. And if they can do it against Orlando, then who who's to say they can't do it against any other team in the East, right? So I'm excited about Nashville. I think they've slowly and quietly climbed up the table, and they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. Speaking of climbing the table, my probably my favorite stat of the season is Nashville have gone from worst in the Western Conference to hosting a playoff game in the Eastern Conference. So 
very, very quirky stat for you guys. Huh. Let's go to one team that was worst in their conference to a team who I believe was worst in their conference last season as well in Chicago, correct? They were they were down there for sure. If they, I don't know if they were worse than Cincinnati though. Uh, I yeah. forgot about Cincinnati. <laughs> Everyone tries to. We try. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the ease with which you said that. <laughs> that was savage. Okay. Well, they almost beat New York City FC, Chicago. So that's a positive. They just missed out on the playoffs. That's a negative. Um, but. They put up a pretty good fight, uh, losing four to three. Do you guys have any thoughts on this game? Because we're an hour into the podcast already. Because I've talked for endless amounts of time. I tried to tell you. <laughs> um, my wow, that wow, that's the definition of an in-person subtweet. <laughs> my my only real big thoughts on this are. So first of all, I said you know good for NYCFC. They're they're cruising right now, and I said last week can they do a good job of just writing what they're good at in that basic 4-2-3-1? It seems like that's working out so far. I mean, they did get the win, even if it was super messy. As for Chicago, they just find ways to lose. I mean, they blew a 2-0 lead last Wednesday against Minnesota in a, in a pretty important game, and then they managed to come back twice against NYCFC after being down two goals, and then they still managed to lose it, so... Just kind of laughable at this point. I mean, they have such moments of of goodness, and then they just find a way to mess it all up. So, just impressive, I guess, in a way, from Chicago. Yeah, it's um, it's very synonymous with a certain NFL team that just stares at onside kicks against the Dallas Cowboys. But it, yeah, again, right, why am I surprised? I see this all the time. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's very, I mean, they were fighting for their playoff lives. Um, and, yeah, they had it, and they blew it again like Chicago does. I think Chicago Fire fans would tell you that it's very, it just it just makes sense, right? It works. That's how they do it. Um, credit NYCFC, they've been playing well. We'll see if that leads them into a good run of form into the playoffs. Um, but we'll see again. It's more just Chicago had it and had it for their playoff lives and missed out on it. So not a whole lot to take away from this except that Chicago kept being the Chicago Fire. All right. I will not add anything to that because you said everything I needed to. And also we are in a savage, savage uh, state of mind tonight. Or I say we, you two are. Um, But let's talk about the... I'd argue most entertaining finish this past weekend, one with between the two teams who had the most to lose. Uh, Montreal against DC United. Montreal ended up winning three to two after a very late goal uh, to put them ahead and just barely get them into the playoffs. DCU, I believe they got eliminated, um, but. What were your thoughts on this game, Terry Henry making his playoff debut, but we'll talk about that probably a bit more on the next week's episode. What are your sort of thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think 
I don't know who, I think Josh put this in the outline, but he described it very perfectly. Neither team really wanted to be in the playoffs. The fact that Montreal is in the playoffs tells you, I think, everything you need to know. When we were talking about MLS is back, um, predictions and teams coming back, kind of a constant theme was Montreal was just very bad. They were slow. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. The passing was pretty bad. And the fact that they're still in the playoffs is pretty wow but again expanded playoffs opens the door for it um they're matched up against they have to go to england for that play-in game i i don't remember my exact predictions about that game uh but not looking good um so my biggest takeaway from this game is that these teams they're just two very bad teams um credit to Henry for getting his playoff appearance that's really cool uh want to see him do well in mls he's a great person a great manager i think so that's exciting. Um, but yeah, again, I'm not taking too much away from this. I don't think Montreal is going to pull out a Cinderella run. But again, it's MLS in 2020, so Montreal win the whole thing. I don't even know. But it's two teams that are very bad. Don't really understand how that was a playoff contending match. But expanded playoffs opened that door, and Montreal took advantage of it, got the win, and Thierry is in the playoffs. So good for him, but not a whole lot to take away from that match on my end. Yeah, my, my biggest thing is just, you know, at the end of the day, props to to Henri and his first season as an MLS coach navigating them to the playoffs. It wasn't pretty, and, you know, like we've said, it was really close to not happening, but did enough, did what they could. Uh, and funny enough, I'm, I'm looking back at it now, they had to beat D.C. to get into the knockout round of... MLS is back, and they did that at the last second. So that's now twice that Montreal has beaten D.C. in a must-win game for both teams to move on. So I think that's kind of interesting, even though the circumstances surrounding either of those games are much different. Another thing I think is worth mentioning is D.C. got Paul Ariola back after yes. he tore his ACL back in January. So really cool. Their season has been... Every bit of roller coaster as Atlanta's has been, or you know, you could say Cincinnati's too. Uh, so, for them to get Ariola back, I think was big and definitely something to be excited about. And uh, it's going to be interesting for Montreal in the playoffs. I think they they always feel like they could be a dark horse team until they're not. So that that'll be certainly interesting. Fully agree. Let's move on to our final game in the East, Miami against Cincinnati, where Miami won 2-1. to one. Other than the fact that Miami won and Cincinnati finished with a .70 points per game this season, do we need to say anything about this game? Miami fans need to really be thinking Atlanta United and Paul McDonough because Two former Atlanta United players scored for them to get them into the playoffs. And obviously McDonough was really important for them in, in, in getting those players and building that roster and getting them in the playoffs. One other thing I want to say, if you are a Miami fan and you're dunking on Orlando because you made the playoffs in your first season and Orlando took them five seasons, just don't. You were the 10th team to make it into the playoffs. So if you're a Miami fan and you're you're, you're dunking on Orlando for it, let's. this might not be the year to do that. Yeah, Drew, you have anything to add? 
No, that's that was a good point though. Leave leave the Orlando Duncan out of it. But it is cool though that both expansion teams made the playoffs, but I think they're gonna go in two very different directions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Drew is Drew is feeling just dissing everybody. One one last thing to add on to that. I think it's impressive for Nashville and not Miami because Nashville made it in the seventh spot, which normally would be the playoffs, whereas Miami got in in the tenth spot, which in a normal year would not have been the case. All right. And let's move on to the Western Conference because we are 69 minutes in and we still have an entire conference of games to go. Thanks to me. All right. SKC versus RSL. SKC got top seed in the West. What is there to say? I, I mean, that's an accomplishment, a big accomplishment, because this is the second time in the last three years. I put two years. That was wrong. Uh, this is the second time in the last three years that they've done that. They kind of snuck their way into that first seed in 2018 as well, although I could argue they were a much... They seemed like a much better team at that point than they than they do now. This feels so under the radar, and I think I've mentioned it a couple times over the last few weeks in these podcasts, but like I don't know how they how they got here. I mean like like name one sporting Kansas City win off the top of your head since MLS is back. I think we talked about one when they beat Colorado pretty yep. well, but that was after the episode we specifically mentioned how we never talk about sporting <laughs> Kansas City. <laughs> They just—I just don't know how they how they do it. They, there's like no flash involved, and but but they get the results, I guess. I mean, they they beat Seattle and Portland, who it's easy to talk about those two teams. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's because of the players that play for Sporting Kansas City, and you know, there's just no like there's no, there's no like s- uh, superstar aspect to the team, I guess. You are oh, throwing that, that slander at Alan Polito. He's not a superstar. Potential newcomer of the year? I mean, yeah, I mean, give the guy credit where it's due. Well, who who won newcomer of the year last year? I have no idea. Exactly, because he wasn't a superstar. It was Carlos Heel. So Okay, that I guy's think, an MLS all-star. I mean, fine, I guess. Oh, man, we didn't even have the all-star game this year. No, I'm thinking no we about didn't, it. because That's COVID kind of a bummer. And- yeah. Supposed to be against Mexico. I bet that would have been good. But I digress. I, so I just can't believe Sporting Kansas City are here. I, I don't think they'll make it very far into the playoffs. Uh, I don't know off the top. Oh, they're playing San Jose to start. That, that'll be a fun game. That'll I be think. a fun conversation but, on Monday. Oh, yeah. So I don't really expect Sporting Kansas City to go very deep. I don't expect them to even make MLS Cup. Maybe I'll be wrong. I probably will be wrong now that I've said that. But I just can't believe they got this far. All right, we mentioned we just mentioned San Jose, so why don't we talk about their absolute manhandling at the hands of the Seattle Sounders? Because who is shocked? Um, they won. They got the two seed. I'm talking about Seattle. Uh, they they continue to impress. What is there to say about Seattle? Like they're just good. We know they're good. They're going to be good. It's as simple as that. Uh, Either of you want to talk about that game? I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit in terms of the goal of the week, but... I think it's worth mentioning that it seems like every time San Jose plays Seattle, Seattle makes San Jose look just dreadful. So, I'm like personally, I'm curious to see how San Jose handled the playoffs. Uh, also worth noting that Matias Almeida had a lot of success with his teams in Liga MX. 
in knockout tournaments, and we saw San Jose go on a decent run, and MLS is back. So I don't know what that man does to get results out of his players. And like we just briefly mentioned, they'll be playing Sporting Kansas City. But I think at this point we can kind of take their performances against Seattle with a little bit of a grain of salt because Seattle just, they just smush them every time. I'm really interested to hear these playoff predictions because Josh is very low on Sporting Kansas City and now he's building me up a little bit to get excited for San Jose. Maybe and they upsets a one. I don't know. How, how did they do it? I don't understand. How did Sporting Kansas City do it? They have good players, that's how. It's as simple as that. Uh, but we'll get into that with hopefully Ivan, who I believe is one of our hopeful guests on Monday, uh, barring anything falling apart last minute. Uh, he's been on the podcast before and is a good guest. So we'll, I'll make fun of San Jose endlessly and say that they're going to lose continually and he'll disagree with me and we'll have fun. But let's talk Portland LAFC, which is the next game we need to t- touch on. Uh, they drew LAFC, conceded super late. Carlos Vela scored. Tell me something that isn't repetitive. Um, Portland get the three seed. They'll face Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's something that's not repetitive. LAFC is in the seventh seed. Wow. They fell Against all the way down. Seattle to again. That's repetitive, though. That's like the first yeah. comment I saw on Twitter. When you look at the playoff bracket, it's like, bro, MLS really wants LAFC and Seattle to play each other. Speaking of MLS playoff bracket, if you're listening to this, if you're still listening to this, we will be hopefully doing an MLS bracket little pool thing on MLS.com. So keep an eye out on our social medias. We'll push that when we create it and make of all of our picks. Maybe we'll publicize that on Monday after our episode. Uh, but yes, keep an eye out for that. I'm excited to see how people do on that. Uh, but yeah, Portland, or not Portland, LAFC against Seattle, that's going to be a crazy first game. One of the two best teams in the West, in my opinion, are going out early. And I think that the LAFC position has a lot to do with the fact that Carlos Velo was missing for a majority of the season. And having him back has already had a huge impact because I think he's already scored at least two goals, correct? At Tuesta. Is he not healthy? No, he's more important than Carlos Vela. Spicy takes. After he yeah. says an eight, might, an eight might upset a one, and now you got me thinking that a seven might upset a two. <laughs> Bro, the earthquakes uh, are winning I- at all, man. <laughs> I'm ready to do it now. Watch, I'm gonna. We're gonna do this bracket thing, and I'm just gonna pick all the higher seeds. Yep. <laughs> Montreal Impact MLS Cup champs. You're gonna get. <laughs> you're gonna get every single pick wrong, and it's gonna be hysterical. Yo, if I if we got a Montreal San Jose MLS wow. Cup final, I think I would explode. <laughs> be a I would six explode. to five final score. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be so much fun. I would have. Cherry Henri finally gets his MLS Cup. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be legendary, Montreal. although I think I might cry. Yeah. The pride and joy of Canada, Montreal Impact. Oh, shut up. And you're a Vancouver <laughs> fan. How can you say that? Betraying your own <laughs> team. All right. Let's, they'll, they'll be back. We'll talk about the Whitecaps and <laughs> their beating of a USL2 side in a second. Oh. Um, but Minnesota-Dallas. <laughs> Uh, 3-0 win for Minnesota. <laughs> what is there to say? Again. Like, 
I I want to say that I think this hurts Dallas a lot. This whole momentum thing is important to me, at least. Going into the playoffs, they're going to have to play Portland now. And I think the fact that they, for lack of a better term, let Minnesota score three on them, like kind of let them destroy them after a nice run of form when Dallas won a couple games and I think drew a couple. Like they, they had a decent like five-game form coming in. So to end 3 nothing like that is not great. I think Dallas was in the running for a home game, if I'm not mistaken. Let me, let me check the standings real quick. Uh, yeah, it looks like they could have had a home game if they had won between them and Minnesota uh, getting that final one. So the fact that they didn't, and if you look at Dallas's home record and away record since uh, Luchi Gonzalez took over, it is day and night, like literally day and night. They are outstanding at home, pretty poor on the road. So you saw how well they did against MLS Cup winners Seattle in the first playoff game in last year's playoffs. So imagine if they had a home game plus that experience from last year kind of changes things a lot for them. So a little bit of a bummer for Dallas. All right, Drew, you have any thoughts or should we talk about the team that probably shouldn't or probably should be in the playoff? Actually, depends on what points they're on. They earned it. They earned it. All right. Well, you think they earned it. I depending math doesn't lie. The math doesn't lie. How many points did they finish with? More than Vancouver. So they <laughs> they finished with they finished with 28 and Vancouver finished with 27. Well, that's because Vancouver suck. Were Vancouver the last team out of the playoffs? Yes. All right, then I agree. They earned it. Although I don't know if they should be a five seed um, because that fair. That's debatable. points per game. But they beat Houston, uh, albeit Houston without Albert Ellis because they sold him, and not a very good Houston side, if we're being honest. But. Either of you have any thoughts on this game and anything like that? Drew, do you think the Rapids can win a playoff game? Yes, absolutely. No, will they? This is I've made get Minnesota. I've made my bracket. This might have been the hardest game. But it's the four and the five, right? These are always the tricky ones. These are yes. like the seven and the eights in March Madness. I could see it going either way. I could see either of these teams making a run in MLS Cup. I have, there's no reason like why, but I think they're both decent teams. Colorado's tearing it up right now. Like, I think we they've earned that playoff spot. Again, whether they earn the five seed or not, that's debatable. But they've been on a good run of form lately. Um, wasn't a too convincing of a win against Houston, but a win nonetheless in the playoffs. All you got to do is win. So Colorado can, they can win. A playoff game they can also lose this playoff game this is a really this might be the the game i'm circling on my calendar between the western conference i have no idea which way is this gonna go but colorado can for sure win this game against minnesota they got that last minute goal against houston too which right now they, they would have made it in with a draw regardless because of the points per game but they they got that goal they got the three points and they made it in just on points anyway which again momentum i keep talking about it but i, I think it's a really big deal agree it's going to be very interesting to watch to see how they do in the playoffs because they have played fewer games and at the same time though a lot of them had covid and we don't know what that does to the respiratory system or their bodies so we'll see whether or not they can hold up in what's probably going to be a pretty grueling playoffs uh that they're going to start off pretty tough like in a pretty tough matchup against 
Dallas. Um, but let's move on to our final game of the podcast with Vancouver playing the USL two side LA Galaxy, which genuinely, if they didn't have Christian Pavel, would they be the top team in USL? Oh my gosh this this is this is a this is rough. This is, Louisville City has I'm, something to say. I would like oh to see them God. in the Galaxy right now. I think uh, Phoenix is really good in USL as well. I'm not I'm not well versed in my USL knowledge. I I hate this so much because they have so much talent on the Galaxy. Like there's just so many good players on paper. Like, if you just take away how terrible they are and you just you just look at the players. I mean, oh my gosh. Quick question: Is the Galaxy the worst team in the league? No, Cincinnati. Who is Cincinnati? Okay, okay. Cincinnati. Yeah, did you see a little points per game stat I threw in there? Point seven. Speaking yep. of which, the close next closest was point nine one, which is not even close, and it was DC and Houston. It wasn't even LA. Galaxy. Speaking of Cincinnati, they released. I believe it was them and Chicago did this as well. Released who they're cutting, who they're keeping this off season. Yeah, we should. We should talk about there, that when the season ends. Yes, we'll talk, we'll about, talk about that when the season ends. And their off season, but there were some. I'd say very notable departures from both clubs is probably the best way of putting this. But apart from Vancouver beating a USL side, which is positive because it's a step up on what they did last year against a Canadian Premier League side. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to bring that up until the day Vancouver folds. Do we have anything we want to add to that game or just pretend that it never happened and wipe it from our memory banks forever? Well, everybody will do that apart from Freddie Montero because he scored two goals. It was literally the only meaningless game of the weekend. (laughs) You know, you're not wrong. (laughs) Out of 13, it was the only one that had no playoff implications of any kind. (laughs) That's so depressing when it's Van- like when it's LA Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, who'd have thought? Uh, whatever. We should move on and do our players of the week, goals of the week, standings update. Although I don't know if we necessarily need to do that you know, we, because we, we can skip. We that already tonight. did it. We basically and did that. We don't need to do games to watch because there aren't any. Although maybe we could preview the next week. We can preview the U.S. Men's National Team game on Monday. They do play Panama. Should be a little more exciting. Yes. I don't think it'll be nil nil. Might be a little more exciting. <laughs> well, they're not give me, playing give me Chris Wales, so that's always a positive. And Panama aren't quite as good as Wales, putting it mildly. But let's talk about our players of the week. Uh, let's start off with a person who actually has a meaningful say in this decision uh, with Josh, because you are a member of the Soccer Reporters. Who did you pick for your player of the week? Uh, So I feel like the last uh, couple podcasts that we've done when we've gone through this, I've ended up just like picking a plain pick and it's been like the the usual, like the majority of fans and media have picked. This week went a bit of a different direction. Uh, I picked LGP first and foremost because he scored the game winning goal. uh, to get Miami into the playoffs. So I think it was a worthy inclusion. And then Romel Kyoto, who did the same thing for Montreal to help them get into the playoffs. I put LGP ahead just because I think it's a bigger deal that Miami made the playoffs over Montreal since expansion team, first time ever making the playoffs, all that good stuff. So even though, you know, so Kevin Molino ended up winning, I think he scored two goals in the Minnesota game when they won 3 nothing. 
you could argue that Molino was more deserving of these two, but I felt given the you know it being decision day and everything, I thought those two guys deserved to at least have my vote. I think we should make a new rule from now on. We're not allowed to pick the player who actually wins it. Make it a little bit more unique, our picks. A bit more fun. Fine, fine by me. I have no control over that, though. What? Because I submit the pick before it's chosen. Okay, well, you can just make a pick on the podcast. Doesn't mean you have to go with the pick you voted for. That's fine. You know, I always have that second option, too. That is true. You have to put in two players. That is true. So, yeah, that's fine. It works out. All right, well, so we'll try to do that in the future. Drew, I'll let you go next. Uh, Who did you have as your player of the week? I just have to I just have to face palm for a second for your player, but go ahead. You got two goals, man. Against the USL the side. Two goals or two goals, man. You're acting like Vancouver is this really good team. Like they're they're borderline <laughs> USL side as well. True. Like if there's true. any team that's gonna lose to the Galaxy, it's the Vancouver Whitecaps. But they didn't because Freddie Montero got two goals in that game to win three nothing. So two goals for the Whitecaps, send him on a high note in a year where high notes are very hard to come by in that organization. So he was my player of the week. All right, good pick. I went with Sergio Santos because he scored the goal to finally get Philadelphia their trophy. And I think he's deserving, especially based off of the season that he's had and the influence that he's had over the last few games. So I gave it to Sergio Santos. We will finish off the podcast before we preview next week and wrap it up um, with our goals of the week. Let's go in the same order. Why not? Actually, no, we won't because I want Josh to end off sad. Drew, why don't you go first? Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Roasting each other this episode. This is rough. Um, but my goal of the week was Jesus Medina's goal versus Chicago. I think it was NYCFC's third goal of that game. It was just outside the box. So it's a good goal. Eventually, like we said, NYCFC kind of blew it, but nonetheless, good goal. Keeping NYCFC playing well, and hopefully that'll carry over for their sake into the playoffs. So my goal, my last goal of the week for the regular season goes to none other than Jesus Medina and his goal versus the Chicago Fire. Connor, who is your goal of the week? I'm not going to be so rude. I'm going to let Josh go first. (laughs) Josh, go ahead. I picked Mikey Ambrose, uh, and yeah, I was sad because one, Uh, Mikey didn't score a single goal for Atlanta United. He was with the team for three years, never scored once. And here he is with this fantastic just banger of a goal for Miami to basically put them in the playoffs. So I'm I'm happy to pick him for goal of the week because it was a sick goal, but I'm sad because he never did that for Atlanta. All right, I'll wrap us up with a free kick. Marcus Lopez scored from basically no angle. Uh just outside the box, right at the end line against Seattle, I believe. Um, it was a nice goal. wasn't very meaningful, but very nice goal. Keeper 100% should have saved it, but we'll ignore that and pretend like it was an actual banger. Uh, because That's Stefan Fry, too. It was Stefan Fry, and he rarely makes mistakes. Um, but that was one of those where he definitely should have either palmed it away or caught it. Uh, but... I digress. That was a meaningless goal, ultimately, because they lost. But let's wrap up the podcast by previewing next week and sort of talking about what is going to happen on Monday night. Obviously, we've alluded to this already, but we will be hopefully having some guests on to do a playoff preview. So get excited for that. We're excited for that. 
Uh, it's going to be hopefully a really good episode. And we gave you an extra long podcast today because we were delayed a few days thanks to me and my busy schedule. Uh, but yeah, do either of you have anything you want to add to MLS and WSL, uh, the US match or Drew, would you like to just take us out? Yeah. Thank you guys as usual so much for listening. Um, again, like Connor said, we're super excited for next week's podcast, getting some contributors for the website to make some predictions and talk about MLS Cup playoffs as that gets rolling around. So be sure to keep your eyes out for that next week. Um, and thank you guys again so much for listening. Um, be sure to visit us on the website um, as other writers crank out really good content at MLSMultiplex.com. Be sure to follow the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex. You can find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Boland. So thank you guys so much for listening. Please leave reviews um, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We love hearing feedback on how we can get better. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Keep your eyes peeled for another awesome episode next week with contributors from the website as we preview MLS Cup playoffs, and we will see you then. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.